0: The Anchism Podcast brought to you by our proud sponsor Kixinto. As Canada's premium reseller of authentic sneakers, Kixinto offers free shipping in Canada and the USA. With a wide selection of the most exclusive Jordans, Yeezys and other premium products, you can trust Kixinto for all your sneaker needs. Don't miss out on the latest drops and limited releases visit their website at www.kixinto.ca to shop now and step up your sneaker game.
1: It's an early morning today, and on the podcast on Anshism, we have Oliver. Oliver is a friend, he's a colleague, and he holds a lot of interest in the neuro neurological side of the human body. I cannot even speak that properly. But yes, he holds an interest in that. And he has graduated with a first class degree in Biomedical Science from the University of Salford. And he's now doing a master's degree in Neuroscience and Neurodegeneration with a particular interest in Parkinson's disease. And uh, you know, I always thought about the Parkinson's disease and I, you know, one of the most famous people in the world, one of the most influential people Muhammad Ali had it and uh, a lot of people looked up to him so having Oliver and having his expertise I wanted to learn more about the disease and make sure that the audience at anshism gets an idea about the same. Welcome to the podcast Oliver thank you for taking out the time how are you doing today?
0: Yes thank you for having me I'm
1: I'm very good thank you how are you? I'm good. You know, it's a a early morning, an early morning shoot. I do not do early mornings, but Oliver, an exception for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So please tell us a bit more about, you know, your expertise and what do you actually study in, you know, what's that progression from biomedical science to a master's in your subject?
0: Yes, yeah, so like you've said, um, I've previously done a undergraduate degree in biomedical science and I'm doing a master's in neuroscience and neurodegeneration. So this current degree, we look at more of the kind of the underlying pathology and kind of in the, at a cellular level and what's going on inside the cells um, and how different treatments will affect those cells if they will work, if they won't work and more along the lines of current research into what's happening um, in the world today.
1: Yeah that sounds interesting, that's that's a lot, you know you've summed it up but it's a lot. So what was like your research in as an undergraduate? So actually as an undergraduate I didn't um, initially
0: research in neurodegeneration um, but I came in my final year did quite a lot. Of modules in the brain and brain dysfunction and that's when I got kind of a real interest in what's actually going on inside the human brain and how kind of such a small change kind of of, such a small change in the protein composition or the protein layout um, has such a massive effect on Mm. not just the brain but the entire body.
1: Mm. Fair enough and uh, you know what's what's the understanding that you know what are the proteins in the brains what are those things like for me who is not from a science background i am not aware about the proteins that the brain requires is dopamine a protein or is dopamine a feeling so
0: dopamine is a neurotransmitter so dopamine right. is a chemical and dopamine is present in in all of us and it's actually quite glad you mentioned dopamine because dopamine is very relevant to parkinson's disease because in parkinson's disease the dopamine producing cells in a part of the brain called the substantia nigra it, they die essentially um, so it means the brain can't produce enough dopamine and therefore can't uh, initiate movement as it would for you and i for instance
1: so it is actually related so dopamine is is very basic so for example if i am feeling good or feeling sad does dopamine has a role to play in that so dopamine will have a role to play in that
0: Um, what we kind of say serotonin is the kind of the happy hormone if you like right, right. Um, and so when we're doing something that makes us happy it's usually a mixture of dopamine and serotonin
1: right and uh, what is the role as you and i know i'm asking questions like a child and i should have probably studied in the classroom but <laughs> probably was not attentive enough but uh, what are the proteins in the brain like and how do they help us function on a daily basis what what are the basic ones so
0: the basic ones are kind of the amyloid precursors Um, And they just help carry out daily biological functions, so kind of anything to do with kind of cell respiration set. I wouldn't say cell division because cells can't divide in the brain, but um, anything that our cells need for its just daily function, those proteins are there, like they would be in any cell in our body. Um, And when things go wrong, so when these proteins misfold or become something called aggregates, when they kind of clump together, is again, when we get um, more neurological problems, not really in the area of Parkinson's disease, more of kind of Alzheimer's or kind of Huntington's, but when proteins kind of go a little bit wrong, it can cause kind of massive problems for the brain and the body.
1: And uh, Oliver, do they become common as we grow up? Uh, Sort of, you know, I if i get to an older age i'm 60 so i've i'm more susceptible i'm more um you know it's more common for me to have that at that age
0: so yeah age is the biggest risk factor to pretty much all neurogenitor problems so as we get older we, we do increase the risk and um, and also we kind of the risk also um increase and decrease depending on sex as well so in the area of Parkinson's disease, males are at a higher risk than females. The reasons behind that, scientists are not 100% sure. But yeah, age, like you said, is the biggest risk factor.
1: And uh, what exactly is the Parkinson's disease? Of course, people are have an idea because as, as I mentioned when we started this podcast, Muhammad Ali, one of the icons in inside this ring and outside of the sport, had Parkinson, and we saw that, you know, he wasn't the same at all. So what's 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 Parkinson like, and you know what what's the disease like?
0: So Parkinson's disease it is the second most common neurodegenerative problem after right. Alzheimer's, and it's kind of characterizes. It's like a movement disorder. Right. So that the most common symptom will be arresting tremor. Right. So probably, like you said, probably seen his hands shaking when he's not doing something. That's kind of known as a resting tremor. So it's a it's a progressive disorder which mm. will cause unintended and uncontrollable movements. Mm. Um, and patients will tend to have kind of shaking and stiff muscles. Mm. They will also have difficulties in um, controlling their balance and with coordination.
1: Right. Yeah. So Oliver, is it just... Isn't it scary, or isn't it just interesting how the brain can literally, literally paralyse all of your body?
0: I think, yeah, I think it is very interesting that through kind of no fault of anyone's, really, the brain, something just goes wrong and it can cause, like you said, sometimes even paralysis. So in the case of of motor neuron disease it will eventually cause total paralysis right um a lot of people don't unfortunately don't get to that stage and they may die before that but it will cause total paralysis in the case of parkinson's disease it's not likely to cause total paralysis Hmm. Uh, it will just cause kind of difficulties initiating movements and slowness of movements right but unlike full, unlike to be full paralysis.
1: Right. Makes sense, but you know, to see, so what does Parkinson do? So you said there's slow movements. Does it uh, also do something to our speech?
0: Um, so no, it's not really, uh, yeah, you can have, i um, sorry, speech and communication problems, but um, a lot of Parkinson's disease patients are also suffer with pain, um eye problems and problems sleeping um and mental health problems so anxiety and mild depression um and those mental health problems are actually present in around 20 to 40 percent of people with parkinson's disease
1: so there's also mental health effects you know related to parkinson there is but it's
0: very difficult to say is the mental health problems an issue of the disease itself, or is it an issue because of the symptoms the disease has presented? Um it's, it's like a bit more sense. We don't know if the pathology of Parkinson's disease causes the mental health symptoms, or if the symptoms of Parkinson's disease cause mental health symptoms. I kind of hope that makes a bit more sense.
1: Right. So we don't know. When that happens, does it, does that happen before the disease or after the disease?
0: Yeah, um, and also the kind of very longitudinal studies, so when they've studied people for a long time, they've seen that those who have had mental health issues before diagnosis are more likely to have mental health issues after diagnosis. Right. So it's it's kind of a very grey area of what's causing these and mental health issues like anxiety and depression.
1: So, in terms of Parkinson's research, do you have an idea? And uh, it's it's okay if you don't. Do you have an idea of the number of people who have got it in the UK, so or I've is it very hair, common?
0: I don't, I don't have a number of uh, people. Number of people that have got it. But It is very common. It's the second most common neuro neurodegenerative disease after Alzheimer's disease. Um, but it's very hard to find an exact figure because different researchers look at different populations right there's always a different figure depending on who they've researched right it's very hard to pinpoint and exact there's this many people
1: so but uh parkinson is something that you said is gradual it happens gradually what's what, what what's the symptoms if you know we don't know when it happens but what's the symptoms like what like when does that happen when does that process take place and how long does it is it like you know that you have 20 percent you're 20 affected now by parkinson now you're 50 now you're 100 is it something like that is there a general progression
0: kind of yeah so an underlying pathology will happen in the brain um, and it might take a few years for symptoms to develop after that Pathology is developed. So, kind of, you'll start off with mild tremors, mild rigidity, mild slowness of movements, maybe the occasional fall. And over time, and we're kind of talking years here, this will get kind of progressively worse. Can like imagine like a graph with like a linear straight line. You're kind of looking at something like that.
1: So, it's a general Um, progression in that disease.
0: So yeah, it's a general progression and um, some people develop faster than others, some people develop really slowly, but as a general rule, we're kind of looking at years.
1: Okay, so it depends, as as everyone says, that everyone's body is different and it's subject to an individual.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: That That's the thing, you know, Oliver, when we talk about the human body, we think, doctors or anyone they have control of it but then you realize that no one actually knows what's happening inside the body
0: no no one really knows we've got some technologists we've got pet scans ct scans mri scans we can we can see some things that happen inside the body but um we can't actually see we can't really see what's going on and in the case of Parkinson's disease, we've only really got a couple of scans we can actually do.
1: Okay, so for the diagnosis,
0: diagnosis.
1: How? What? What are those? Sorry.
0: So um, there is something now called a DAT scan, right? And that's kind of just in research in the last five years, and is slowly starting to come into the NHS, right? And it's trying to kind of aid the diagnosis. Hmm. Um, you may also have a scan called a single photon emission computer computerized tomography scan. Single, so yeah, so I have to run this down. Please, single please. emission computerized
1: tomography scan. And what's what would be the short form? SI,
0: um, it'll be S P E C T C T scan,
1: S P E C T scan, yeah, perfect, perfect. And
0: that will, um, Distinguish um, Parkinson's disease from other other conditions that can cause similar symptoms.
1: Right. Um,
0: Not everyone has that scan. Um, Some people do, some people don't. It depends if your the individual neurologist thinks there may be other conditions at play here.
1: Right. So the diagnoses are also have just been started to you know be made or before that they were non-existent or what
0: there is still no specific test to diagnose Parkinson's disease um so there's no kind of single test Uh, it's mainly done through taking a full medical history right and your neurologist taking a full physical examination that Mm. those are the two big things that we will say for diagnosis um really i guess to diagnose parkinson's disease you need to look at the brain however we obviously can't look at the brain in a someone that's still alive in
1: in a in a physical manner right
0: yeah we need to look at it in a physical manner and we can't obviously we can't do that on a, a live patient
1: true true so uh, we we spoke about how if it affects the you know cognitive and Behavioral behavioural functions. How is it is it life limiting? Is Parkinson life limiting or life-threatening? So it will be
0: life limiting, um, especially in the later stages when um you've got kind of quite a bad resting tremor um and quite bad slowness of movement and stiffness and something called freezing. So it's where your body you could be walking along and your body will just stop. Um, and you physically cannot initiate the next movement to carry on so obviously that increases people's falls risk and so as we get later on the um, disease stage people may need carers or may need additional support through physiotherapists occupational therapists
1: additional medical support things like that so do you as and we spoke about the NHS still not having the right facilities to diagnose, right?
0: So it's slowly coming into the NHS. Um, so I think it's, I think it was 2018 they started to get this dat scan, um, but I don't think it's available in a lot of in a lot of hospitals yet. Um, so a lot of people still having to, if they have that scan, to travel to get this scan, which, which obviously is isn't, yeah, isn't it's the not best the most,
1: yeah, it's, it's not the most convenient and we can talk about the government and the NHS another day (laughs) it's a topic for another day it would be a two hour long podcast but uh, you know Oliver tell me something you know on a lighter note tell me what interested you in learning about the human body and uh, you know the brain because when I now that we are growing up, now we are 24 and 25, you know, 24, I'm 25, we similar age. Now that we are growing up, we sort of realize more when a life is gone, right? When someone passed away and they randomly pass away. And someone says they're w- uh, fine last evening or they're fine this morning. And in a couple of hours, they have a cardiac arrest, they have something in their brain, they have a, you know, brain hemorrhage or something and they're gone. So you just wonder how less of control we have on the human body, isn't it? So Yeah,
0: we don't have a, a huge control over what's going on. Obviously we can not smoke, eat healthily, exercise, do all the right things, but still, still. sometimes, something happens, uh, like you said, you can have cardiac arrest, stroke, I believe in the brain which could cause massive problems so we don't we don't have full control there's only so much we can do ourselves
1: so as a kid oliver what developed your interest in learning about science the human body yeah. the complexities of the brain
0: so i've always had an interest in biology and kind of through school and through college i always had an interest in biology and I also volunteered for our St. John Ambulance and Bolton Hospice. Right. Um, so I kind of saw firsthand the effects of different medical conditions, kind of especially when I was at the hospice, the effects of neurological problems. So there's a lot of p- patients there with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease and things like that. So i kind of seen it firsthand, seeing the effects it has on on people made me interested in kind of what's actually going on inside the brain and what can be done to fix the problem, if anything.
1: True. So, have you had personal experiences of uh, neurology? You know, neurological? So
0: yes, yeah, so I have actually. My grandma had um, dementia a few years ago. So, I kind of first hand experience dealing with kind of my grandma and kind of what kind of seeing what kind of physical signs were, which kind of increased my interest in kind of what's the underlying mechanisms causing these symptoms. Can we stop these mechanisms? Can we kind of do anything at all to prevent them or kind of at least make them better if we can't stop them?
1: So is uh, your grandma still with you? Sorry.
0: No, my grandma died probably about six, seven years ago now.
1: Right. I'm sorry, sorry to hear that, but I'm yes, sure she's uh, she's proud of you and she's watching Thank from you. from up. Uh, so in the in the in in the years following your education, after you do your masters, and sorry, I did not ask uh, how's the thesis and masters going and what exactly are you researching. Sorry.
0: So um, my thesis will be next year. Right. Um, so at the minute, we're looking at. The under, kind of like you said the, the proteins in the brain and, right and um, kind of the protein accumulation and what what happens in the brain right when proteins go wrong and how my kind of mitochondria right. dysfunction. so i'm not writing my thesis just yet
1: so oliver what do you want to achieve after you have you know completed your education do you want to go on and do a phd and how do you want to contribute? you know if you want to communicate uh, do you so, want to uh, contribute to the community or give something back in terms of uh you know the neuroscience and you know the neurodegeneration
0: yeah i think research is a very interesting area and it will be something i would kind of maybe, maybe consider after i finish a master's um failing that potentially going into education and kind of um, teaching and kind of making people aware of these conditions and kind of the symptoms, uh, the underlying mechanisms behind them, and kind of going to mow down the education routes rather than the uh, research routes.
1: Right, so you want to educate people and make them aware about uh, the diseases and all those things.
0: Yes, so, I think... I think with scientific research, you've got two sides. You've got the research teams who will do the research and will make sense. You come up with new treatments or new kind of uh, understandings of the way the disease work. But if you don't have people that can can explain that to the general population, the research teams struggle Struggle because people need to understand what's going on, True. in order to get people like me.
1: People like me need to ask those questions. You know, they might be childlike questions for you, you know, because you are in that industry, you are in that research area and you regularly deal with those things. For me, someone who's uh, uh, not so aware about science and but understands the complexities or wants to understand the complexity of human brain, you know, I would want to have a conversation and learn about.
0: Exactly. I think you need both sides you need the research teams to actually kind of conduct the work and the education teams to explain what that work actually means
1: right right oliver it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and is there a message for people who are worrying about their health and who have their who who whose brain is functioning well but are not looking after themselves not eating well drinking too much smoking too much do you have a message for them
0: i think um kind of diet, you know balanced diet not smoking not drinking too much kind of will benefit you from not just the brain conditions but from any any mo- most medical conditions out there and if anything any, anyone is worried go and see a doctor
1: and uh, what would you like to say to the people who are too scared to go to the doctor and get that blood test or get that scan done?
0: It's more scary kind of not knowing I think the the unknown is is scary and but people don't mind or want to kind of know if they've got a condition the sooner they find a condition they can treat the more effective treatment is um The later on you're getting diseases, the harder it is to treat and potentially they might not have a treatment for it if it's too late.